What? Just uh, harnessing my chi, I guess. <laughs> Welcome to I Hate Your Movie with Dan and Rick. Hello. This week we watched Exorcist Free Legion by William Blatty, released in 1990, starring George C. Scott and Brad Dorf, Dorf, yep, and other people, and starring Samuel L. Jackson, starring Samuel L. Jackson, yes, and, and Ned Flanders, <laughs> and Ned Flanders, diddly do. Neighborino, <laughs> the power of Christ compelling dares you. <laughs> oh, I didn't even put that together. That like Ned Flanders is a very uh, Christian person. You can just imagine him in this movie. <laughs> Instead of George C. Scott screaming his lungs out, he's just very nicely like goes around. <laughs> oh, decapitated head! Diddly do. <laughs> All in a day's work. Let me say how I got to know it. Okay. I had this thing where I watched movies and I really wanted to see the sequels, even though I knew that most of them were going to be really bad. Interesting. Kind of like punishing yourself, but yeah. Fine. Okay. It reminds me of when you said you wanted to watch the first 250 IMDb. It was kind of like that. It was like a challenge more okay. than. I discovered lots of cool films like that. Surprisingly, Psycho has good sequels. Yeah. Yeah. You would never think that. But it has two good sequels, two and three. So Exorcist, classic, you know, don't stake me through the heart. But I think it's a bit outdated. It's a 50-year-old movie. Okay. It, it's mostly outdated because it exists in the public consciousness as the scariest movie of all time. And it is really not <laughs> uh, by today's yeah. standards. A second one is a fucking nightmare. This made by a guy who hated the original. <laughs> Why would you sign on to Exorcist 2? Doesn't make sense. The whole thing doesn't make sense. And it famously has James Earl Jones in a cricket costume most of the film. And it's just... Uh, it's someone's attempt at making like a weird David Lynchian film, but it doesn't work at all. And then the third one is directed by the guy who wrote the original Exorcist. Did he write the original Exorcist or did he just write Legion? He wrote the original Exorcist as well. Okay. Yeah. And he, I think he was a producer in the original Exorcist film. And him and William Friedkin, who was the original director of the Exorcist, they had lots of arguments uh, on set. And uh, there's lots of funny videos you can look up where they like argue like old couples. Kind of like the, the inspector and the priest in this. And yeah, it's more of his vision of he wanted to see... Asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Anyway, this is the backstory for this film. A little bit more than that as well. So he, after being involved in the first film, he wrote a script for this film and it didn't go anywhere. No one wanted to pick it up. So he ended up making that into a book, which he then adapted into the film when the book became popular. Yes. So with this whole thing, would you agree? I'm really curious. Okay. What did you think? Of Exorcist Free Would you like my one sentence review? Please. <laughs> this could have been a good film if nearly every actor in it was replaced by someone better. Really? Really. The only good person I found compelling in this is the detective guy, Kinderman. Really? Yeah. I thought everyone was amazing. I, I did not see anyone miscast at all. Okay. <laughs> well, that's... Uh... 
this is why we have this podcast because like <laughs> I can't even wrap my head around your takeaways sometimes. <sighs> the big one that hit me in the face, and then I started looking at everyone else is Brad Dorf. 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 Brad Dorf. Dorf. Yeah. <laughs> Dorf. 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 It's on fire. <laughs> Dorf. He, as the Gemini killer, he's supposed to be this really menacing, dark, terrifying character. And he just, I don't know. And he is. He, I don't think he is. I think he'd be much better cast as a live action version of Krusty the Clown. <laughs> I can't believe you. So his best role, because I recognised him immediately and I could not remember where. I looked it up and it's the guy in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. He's the Weasley guy. That's perfect for him. Because he's got this Weasley kind of like, kind of face <laughs> that just makes you want to slap him. And you don't want that from a psychopathic murderer. You want someone who's properly, properly threatening. I thought he was. Do you think? Dude, I got scared in this movie. As an adult. There's multiple kinds of scared. There's the startling, boo-boo in your face. Yeah, yeah. There's the gore, you know, someone stabbing someone in the eyes really close up. And there's just the creepiness. And when he describes draining someone's blood out, a very cold, very unemotional manner, I got the chills, man. I, I thought it was great. I didn't think it was unemotional enough. If you look at Silence of the Lambs, like, mm-hmm. that's how you do perfect menacing, calm, cool, collected, but doing, like, really psychopathic things. Moriarty in Sherlock. But the flirting's over, Sherlock. Daddy's had enough now. I'll burn you. I will burn the heart out of you. There is no key. Do this! The guy who plays him. Really? That guy? Yeah. Oh, I thought fuck. he played that absolutely perfectly. <sighs> And it was, that's he did it, he, he found the horrible things he was doing funny. Mm-hmm. And that's what made him worse. I'm always so shocked by your, <laughs> uh, your takes. Brad Dourif also, he's Chucky in Child's Play. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there you go. He that's has, he has that's a, normal his roles, like he's playing a child doll. Like, <laughs> he's had a long career and uh, I think he's an amazing actor, actually. So no. He was very good in Lord of the Rings. He's very good in this. <laughs> I just didn't get a menacing feeling from him. Slap him in the face. Mm. Snap out of it. <laughs> Slap out of it, the devil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exorcist. Exorcist 4. Slap my bitch up. The real first scene in this movie is like, we watched what feels like a spirit's point of view. Mm-hmm. Going through the spooky stairs of the Exorcist, and we hear the t- famous tubular bells. This is the only sequel and the of the Exorcist to have that. Yeah, and it like it never happens again because like fuck this, this is not the Exorcist. <laughs> this is different, motherfucker. I have a question for you on this scene. So yeah. is this a scene where you see him falling down the stairs? Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. So you see it from his point of view. Mm-hmm. Do you like? Do you think they just threw a camera down some stairs? <laughs> That's what I feel like. Yeah, they probably put it like in some sort of protective. Like a ball. Yeah, like a ball. Yeah, yeah. Expensive in the nineties to do that. And still working with film and stuff. And we see a little black kid holding a rose. He has like a police boys club uniform on. A little black kid dies. And it's important that he's black. Mm -hmm. It comes up in the movie. Also, there's an exorcism in this film. But what's more unbelievable is that they bring out like the helicopters for one little black kid. (laughs) (laughs) Like for any kid that, that goes missing, they go nuts. Yeah, but it's an age of like kids pictures on milk cartons and mm. 
I guess so. It was pretty brutal as well, maybe that's what set them off. His head was decapitated and replaced by a Jesus statue's head, mm -hmm. but done up in a black face. Yeah, yeah, pretty brutal. And we meet the angriest man in the universe, George <laughs> C. Scott, who, again, there's an exorcism in this film, and there's the devil and, the, and demons, but... What's even more unbelievable that this man doesn't die in the middle of this movie in a giant heart attack. He's, <laughs> he's so fucking stressed out. I've never seen a man so angry and stressed out. Were there any signs of injuries, blood, lacerations? That would be in the file. It is not in the file. It is not. That's why he is the only one in my list of, of people that do well. Yeah. Because he does do well. One of my first notes was when he like, he's talking to the priest. I really like in this film, and it's something that new films don't do, is the oldest people in this film are the most experienced, they're the most intelligent, they know what they're doing, and if you were to remake this film now, they'd all be like mid-twenties, Yeah, you know, oh, I'm an exorcist expert from the Vatican. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been handpicked by the Pope. And I'm the Pope it, exorcist. In, in a good way, not not how you're thinking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I just, uh, I liked the the old people doing shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, I don't know, he's just very captivating to watch. And he's so fucking angry at <laughs> everything. And what's interesting is he's very progressive, even though he's like one of the oldest people there. John, you said Jews are bad. You're a racist. You're a racist. There's that one of his first scenes. He just calls out <laughs> people are racist. In the remake, he would be like a blue-haired teenager girl. <laughs> you wouldn't expect this from him. Yeah, so this detective's name is Kinderman. Kinderman, yeah. Kinderman. So we see Kinderman's relationship with Father Dyer, who's a priest. Mm-hmm. And they're allegedly friends. Um, I really like their dynamic. For I love it. I, I love that. I really enjoy. If it wasn't a horror film, then I would love to see them in every film. I want to see them in a Lethal Weapon style <laughs> body cop movie because that would make my year. <laughs> Detective priest. <laughs> I agree with you. I was just joking that they're allegedly <laughs> friends. They're almost like an old couple. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah, like a bickering old couple. They reminded me of the Exorcist director and the writer, Friedkin and Blatty, because they do talk like that. My favorite thing about this is when they're talking to like people in their circle, and they're like, "Oh, the priest is like, okay, well, it's my day to go cheer up the detective. <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to go to the cinema today." And he goes to the detective, and he's chatting to someone else, and says, oh, "It's my day to go cheer up the priest." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's very cleverly written yeah. the dialogue. There's lots of fun little one-liners and weird-ass monologues, which we'll get into soon. One thing I didn't like, it felt like it was kind of rushing through this part. I think it was mostly the awkward editing. Devi noticed that the editing is always, like, non-natural. All the transitions were very awkward. It wasn't like a swipe or a fade out. <laughs> Star wipe. Star wipe. <laughs> <laughs> it goes into, like, a photo... And it just becomes a photo and it flies away. It was all like very hard cuts. Sometimes it is onto the same person in a different scene, which is kind of against the rules, you should say. Yeah, yeah. In filmmaking terms, because it gets very confusing with the audience. I didn't like it in this part. I like it later on because it does give you kind of a disorienting feeling when they're in the hospital and you're not sure how much time is progressing. It kind of helps the horror later on, mm -hmm. but I don't like it here 
because I want to see the Father Daya Kinderman TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like it? How he arrives to the cinema? The car. Oh my god, it was so funny with the sirens wailing. The sirens wailing. The car barely stops, and he's already like his doors out. He steps out, and I love it. He goes through the ticket booth as well, holds his police badge, like official police business, yeah. and just walks. And yeah, and Father Daya in the back is just rolling his eyes, and they're watching the wonderful life. Talk to me about and explain to me why cop yeah <laughs> why they have like a a three four minute conversation about a cop in his bathtub that's just what didn't you love it though wasn't it the greatest monologue you've ever heard no <laughs> so no yes it was but not in this film not in a horror film my wife's mother is visiting father and Tuesday night she's cooking as a carp. It's a tasty fish. I, I have nothing against it. But because it's supposedly filled with impurities, she buys it live. And for three days it's been swimming up and down in my bathtub. Up and down. And I hate it. I can't stand the sight of it moving its gills and you're standing very close to me father have you noticed yes i haven't had a bath for three days i can't go home until the carp is asleep <laughs> because if i see it swimming i'll kill it like I said before, you put that carp story in Lethal Weapon, and Murtaugh's there and he's like, I'm too old for this shit, there's a carp in my bathtub, let's fucking go. You know, that makes sense, but you don't go from there's a carp in my bathtub to the power of Christ compels you, it just doesn't work. <laughs> I don't know, I love that. It, like, it's a good character exploration with Kinderman. He just showcases again how fucking angry he is about everything in his life. Great monologue. <laughs> I can't defend it too much, <laughs> but I just love it. Is that fair? Yeah. It doesn't feel out of place to me. <laughs> it has to feel out of place, but you've got, you can still enjoy it if it feels out of place. It doesn't feel out of place. It feels like it serves the character. Okay. That's it. But, you know, you can take it out, but come on. It's so so much fun. And then they go into this restaurant where Kinderman explains the brutal murder of this kid that happened. And this is why one scene where I really don't agree with you about everyone's being miscast, okay. except Kinderman, she's the priest. You can see on his face, he's like kind of not super smiley, but he's kind of happy-go-lucky person. Mm -hmm. And it just, this description of this murder, it fucking destroys him. And he becomes so embarrassed. He looks like he doesn't want to hear it. Becomes so sad. And it's all in his face. Disagree. Doesn't he immediately start arguing that oh, we're all going to be in heaven and the God will help us and blah, 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 blah. Well, the Kinderman brings it up. It doesn't start arguing that out of nowhere. His Kinderman is kind of poking him. Well, where is your God now? This murder happened. Yeah. This is what I love about the horror aspect of this film. Up until the very end, and there was almost none of it, we barely ever see anything. Mm -hmm. And it's always people's reactions. And it's a, he has this great effect of, like, you fill in the details in your mind. And I think that works so well. 
I agree with that. One of my notes for the hospital scene was they do a really good job of not showing the corpses. Yeah. He just kind of lifts the blanket and it's like... And this is one of them, which is the priest gets so sad. But whatever. You're a hater. The priest is the second best. Okay. But yeah, it's still not to current standards. And then they have a little discussion on, where's your god now, bitch? (laughs) I liked this. I thought this was a bold move for the early 90s. Because there was still a lot of rules of what you can and can't say on screen. And to be, like, outwardly atheist. Hmm. But there's a discussion on it. Yeah, but it's very clear that Ginderman is an atheist. And he does not believe in God, no matter what. Mm. You know what's interesting? Go on. The writer is a very devout Christian. Really? Writer-director. Awesome. I just want to clarify, I said it's awesome. Not because I particularly enjoy the writings of the devout. But because he has written something from both sides which is an awesome thing to do and make yourself challenge your own beliefs i don't know if he said it but or other people said it but he clearly was challenged in his faith while being still faithful it's pretty much laid out in the movie why does god let all this happen and do you remember that that the little back and forth they had is so amazing i love it so much he goes um so when does the suffering end when does it end Oh, when we go up to heaven and we spend eternity. That soon, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And I love that little line. I think that would have worked better if they weren't incredibly old. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like you say, that guy's five minutes away from a heart attack. That (laughs) that guy's going to have a burger tomorrow and he's going to drop dead. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. Then there's another murder of another priest. If I have one complaint of this movie, is there's there's too many priests... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> episode title <laughs> exorcist free too many priests, <laughs> too many priests. <laughs> be like too many cooks <laughs> too many priests <laughs> because they're all kind of similar looking mm-hmm. i was almost gonna say is there exorcist free because there's three priests but there's actually four priests no there's actually five fucking priests now that i think about it is there yeah okay so there's father dyer there's the father Karras. there's the Blonde guy who was written in the movie, who wasn't in the original movie, who comes in and does the actual exorcism. There's the one that doesn't die. And then there's the one that dies now in the upcoming scene. So there's five fucking priests in this movie. And except the blonde one, they all kind of look similar. Come on. It's too many priests. Too many priests. And they're all bloody dressed the same, (laughs) just to make it more confusing. I know, right? We see a murder of this priest. We don't see anything. No, you don't. Yeah, you don't see the murder. Which is great. Mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life is written on the wall with blood. Wonderful with two L's. Oh, really? Yeah, that's actually a plot point. Okay. So let's get into that, which is, this is not only an exorcist movie, but this is probably the 400th time the movie was inspired by the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. There's so many fucking Zodiac movies. Uh, we could probably do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> so, yeah, this is clearly inspired by that. Or the original Zodiac killings. The Zodiac killer misspelled a bunch of words all the time. What seemed to be on purpose. Yeah. And this is a reference to that. So, yeah, so in this bit, he gets killed in a confession booth. Yes. This bit was quite creepy. Yeah. When, like, he's looking into the darkness and he's, he hears that voice. What does the voice say? Bleed someone. Oh, yeah, he, all the killing. He's killed a woman. 
yeah, all yeah. the blood. Yeah, he describes all the killings. This is funny. The demon kind of comes and says, like, come here to confess something. I'd like to confess anything. I stepped on two straws in the shape of a cross. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he starts with. <laughs> and then the murders. The voice is creepy, staring into the darkness and yeah. hearing this voice. It, it bordered on comical for me, the voice. Almost, yeah. Because it was like an old lady's voice. Yeah. It, what it felt like. Or someone's putting on an old lady voice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it worked. Yeah. If you push it just a little bit more, it doesn't work for me, you know? <laughs> but, so, it's well done. You obviously love this film. Yes. Do you think it could have been better under a more experienced director? Um, It would have been different. I think he has a very strong visual sense. He only made one film, one of the films, and I think his visual language is incredible. I think as a second film, it's incredible. Why do you think the filmmaking is lacking yeah i just think it needs to be tighter in terms of like content and uh, i think the actors needed a bit more direction in terms of you know how to do things a little bit differently Mm, i think maybe you didn't get the best out of the people that were there at the time i so disagree with that Everyone's bringing their A game a hundred percent. I can't understand that. I can't. Understand I can't understand you, your. I can't understand how you you can watch like really well acted films like Babylon and then compare this to that. It's just it's night and day to me. The the acting in this is. It's not. Is, it's know, not realistic, but that doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah. No. Yeah. Because it's a different kind of world. It's acting is supposed to be realistic. That's why it's acting. Not always. Don't get a stroke. It's just just blown my mind in so many different ways. What do you mean acting has to be realistic? Well, because they have to act like real human beings. No matter what ridiculousness is happening in the film, the people should act like human beings act. Like the demon. Well, not the demon, but like. (laughs) It's it's hard to describe. But yeah, it is hard to argue this because this is like one of the most subjective things. Yeah. Okay, right. Who's more menacing, the demon guy in this, or Tobey Maguire in Babylon? <laughs> the demon guy, 100%. Tobey Maguire. <laughs> it depends what tone you're going for. Mm-hmm. This and is a horror tone. This is a horror tone, but it does go for an elevated fantasy horror. You know what I mean? Kind of. If you're in a fantasy film, everyone talks up a little bit. And this is that version of that. Okay. I don't think realistic is the only determinative whether it's good or not. It can be subtle, but it still needs to be realistic. Yeah. It can be not subtle. It can be still good. It can be not subtle, but it can also be over the top. This film isn't, but if you pick something like... I'm struggling not to say Twin Peaks. Pick something like Twin Peaks, but yeah. the woman's always screaming. <laughs> Twin Peaks is actually a good example. Mm-hmm. Twin Peaks. I, I really didn't like any of the acting in the entire... Twin Peaks miniseries coming up. <laughs> Twin Peaks is a good example because it is a parody of soap operas. That's the reason everyone... But it's the same acting in Maholland Drive. It's Everything is kind of... Fine, that, because that's, the, that's what they're going for. That's the vibe of the film. You think very two-dimensionally about this, I think. Okay. Which is, no matter what the movie is, the acting has to be realistic. But acting is just like a tool, like anything, that you mould as a filmmaker. You mould that into your image and how you want your movie to feel. And if you bring in people and you get someone, get someone's attention, and they imagine themselves in the movie, then you can really play around with, like, 
kinds of emotions, kinds of expression. I understand what you're saying, but I think you need to be clever with it. Look at old Wes Anderson films. Nothing acting in that is realistic. Yeah. Like nobody is realistic in that. But it's still just cleverly done. Mm -hmm. It's witty, it's snappy. Like you say, the acting style matches the tone of of the film. I didn't feel that there was a case with this. I thought it did. I mean, also the tone, as you say, kind of starts out realistic, but it kind of has this crescendo into weirdness. It tries to make it believable, so you believe the latter bits, the mm-hmm. weirder bits. Oh, it reminded me of the movie Seven. Have you ever seen that movie? I have seen the movie Seven. It reminded me of this idea of we only see the aftermath of the murders. as a very Seven thing to do. You see the blooded walls and things <laughs> like that, but you never see what actually happened. You just kind of piece it together. I wrote down... Kinderman and Father Dyer are straight lovers. <laughs> Kinderman goes into the hospital because Father Dyer's ill. Yep. He kind of pushes it off like, I'm not ill, I'm just here for a checkup. But he's spending the night in the hospital. And he brings him a penguin. Yep. Straight lovers again. <laughs> they are super cute together. And then Father Dyer gets killed. Mm-hmm. In a weird way where someone drains out all of his blood. Yep. In little cups, equal measure and... My note is hallway scene lasts forever. Yes, but this is not the hallway scene yet. Is it not? No, that's later. Isn't this when the father dies? No. Okay. Uh, that's when a nurse dies. Right. Remember the the guy... The giant scissors, the comical scissors. <laughs> Someone's just come from, from a ribbon cutting ceremony and they've stole the mayor's scissors and they're using them to cut people's heads off. Let's talk about that scene because it's a very interesting scene. Okay. This is how you know that this guy is confident in directing. Because he lets a quiet fucking scene play for like five minutes. Really effective kind of jump scare moment. Where we see this hallway. A nurse kind of gets spooked by a noise. She goes into a room. It's ice melting. She comes out. She fiddles with her papers. There's something else, I think. A policeman on guard policeman gets on guard. up, goes out the room, there's, comes there's, back in the room. There's shadows in Father Dyer. Throws a beard. Just, <laughs> decorates the hallway. <laughs> it is a long time, but it, it's super worth it. It's a directing your eye towards something else. Because the nurse checks out the first two entryways that you can see in the hallway. Mm-hmm. That you think a jump scare would come from. And none of those are jump scares. And then once the scene run long enough that you let your guard down, that's when it happens. It is like one of the most famous scenes in cinema now. I wish I watched this film before I seen like videos of top 10 scariest scenes of all time. <laughs> uh, I didn't watch that, but I've seen it somewhere. I think it's really effective. Okay. I did not let my guard down. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty obvious what was going to happen. Yeah. And I did not like that it took so long. Okay. <laughs> Another thing that, this is not my observation, but other people pointed out that this movie has a theme of the crumbling of institutions. Okay. So, like, the police is corrupt and they're racist or lazy. You okay. know, like, the fingerprint guy is lazy. I suppose he goes through the cinema police business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of abusive and power kind of thing. Yes, but it's really prevalent in the hospital. You know that little scene with Father Dyer's there? The nurse comes in, she's in the wrong room. Yeah. She's the <laughs> wrong patient. And there's lots of little things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, people in uniform that we should trust are being untrustworthy. And this is a scene where there's a nurse and there's a police guy in the frame most of the time. 
And then it's again, it's crumbling of institutions. They both get distracted and, and lazy and they go away. And that's when the horrible thing happens. It plays on your institution bias that or person in a uniform that's trustworthy. I think this is also why this is like a wonderful scene. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Do you think he's in some way questioning his own institution? Yeah, like the church. Mm. Yeah, there's that father mourning. He doesn't give a shit. No. <laughs> I, I like that scene when Kinderman goes to him and is like, do you think it's true? Do you think there's a demon? It's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> he says something like that. So basically, there was this Gemini killings 15 years ago in the story. And then they thought that they killed the Gemini killer. They did kill the Gemini killer. They did kill the Gemini killer. And now it's back. And people think it's a imitation. Mm-hmm. But because Kinderman knows specific details that were not leaked to the press, he knows that it's real. It is the Gemini killer. Back, baby. Yep. I think this is when they, they go see Duff in the hospital. Duff. Duff. Yeah. In a straight jacket in a gummy room. Gummy room? <laughs> What's it called? I'm tired. It's like in a padded in a, room. In a padded room. Well, we talked about his performance. I assume that you were really bored or all his scenes because they went on for a while. Yeah. I loved it. My note for this was monologue. <laughs> the body of this saintly priest is an instrument of, you know, my work. But the main thing is the torment of your friend, Father Karras, as he watches while I rip and cut and mutilate the innocent, his friends, and again, and again, and on and on. He is inside with us. He will never get away. His pain won't end. Oh, gracious me. Was I raving? Yeah, I disagree. In some ways, it reminded me of the Joker interrogation scene in Dark Knight. See, again, another fantastically acted, super menacing villain. Like Brad Dourif and this. <laughs> he does monologue and he, I think he's amazing. I told you, I got chicken boobs. What is it called? Chicken pox. Chicken boobs. Chicken boobs. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not called chicken boobs, it should be. <laughs> uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, goosebumps. Goosebumps. Chicken goose. <laughs> Almost. I got goosebumps. I got. I got scared. Uh, chicken boobs. <laughs> I got chicken boobs. <laughs> In this movie, as a thirty-two-year-old man, you know, it was just him describing draining a person like a toothpaste. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was really effective. So what does the demon want? So what's his story? He is in the body of the original exorcist. Exorcist. Trademark. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the body of the original priest from the original film, The Exorcist. Yes. Original exorcist from Exorcist. <laughs> Father Karras. And he was in kind of a catatonic place. Oh, wait, so what? So the, the Satan... The Satan. <laughs> the Satan and went and took the Gemini killer's soul or mind and put it into Father Karras' body. Yep. But because Father Karras threw himself down the stairs to kill a demon, another demon, I guess, 
Pazuzu as the original name of the the ex- Pazuzu. Yeah, have you not heard that? No. <laughs> That's the original name of the demon in Exorcist. It's, they say it like 15,000 times in Exorcist 2, and it's hilarious. So he killed Pazuzu, <laughs> the, the Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Took the Gemini killer's soul and put it into Father Karras, but because he threw himself down the stairs, his mind was like slushy, basically. <laughs> and as it like in a catatonic... Kata- kata- Catatonic, <laughs> catatonic. <laughs> We're never recording after work ever again. <laughs> he was in a catatonic place. It's like, is <laughs> uh, For 15 years, and his like body was slowly regenerating. Like Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. And he just starts doing the killings again. How did you think he'd done the killings? Because it is a bit vague whether he just intimidates people. No, I don't think it is. Well, by the end it's not, but kind of in the middle it's not sure because there's the warden of the psychiatric wing that smokes all the time that we later find out that he's been intimidated by him and he's, you know, he writes the notes of what he should say to the inspector. He has his story. He practices his story. Oh, is that a yellow on a yellow bit of paper? Yeah. That's in my notes as well that I didn't understand. I said, what's with the yellow note in the desk? Yeah, well, he practices it before the inspector comes in. He wrote down the story of what happened to this Gemini killer, and he practices it. I just thought he was super nervous, so he wrote down what he wanted to say. It was the instructions, and later on, that guy kills himself, and the Gemini killer does say that he was just weak, and he done stuff for him. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So at that point, it's not sure whether it's like he's just working from the inside, really. I never really had any doubts at all. It was kind of like a possession type thing where he just took control of people okay. and walked out. Yeah. Because the people he took control of were in the mental institution and they were pretty checked out. Like, they're not the kind of people you can go, hey, go over there and kill people because mm. then they'd just pull off their pants and rub the genitals in your face or something. Yeah. What did you think about the crazy people? Some fun stuff. Is that the lady with the ghost radio? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, and my favorite line in this. Oh my god, they fly in the tanks level. I love this. <laughs> Kinderman goes into the crazy people wing, and the old lady comes up to him. Is like, "Are you my son?" And he goes, "Oh, I'd be very proud to be your son. You're not my son." <laughs> That's such a brilliant line. Ah, oh, it's not what I thought you were gonna no? say. No. Are you the Radio repairman. Oh, yeah, that too. Because yeah. she's holding a... Well, she's not holding anything. She's yeah. just got her hands out. She's like, can you fix my radio? <laughs> and he takes the radio, like, just pretends to like you would a child. And then she's like, oh, a radio repairman would have known that's a clock. <laughs> yeah, that's funny too, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of funny writing, even though it was horrific moments as well. Yes, this is... I'm sure you have a note about this. Yeah. When the Gemini possesses... An old woman, meaning a, a stunt person in a makeup, an old person makeup who crawls around the <laughs> <laughs> ceiling. Yeah, nobody sees her. No. Nobody sees it her. It was coming. It's a oh. room full of people. It's like an old woman crawling on the ceiling. But at that point, to me, the movie is already won. It could have gotten away with a lot of things in terms of stretching the realism because I was already won over. Okay. In this version of the film, which is the theatrical version, there's a very clearly shoved-in priest role because there was no exorcist in this exorcist film. Yeah, well, that was the main thing why they added on 
the end yeah. is because even though the studio wanted to call it Exorcist 3, there was no exorcisms in it. Actually, they did test screenings for the original ending and they were some of the worst results ever. Even the director said that. That's why he wasn't happy to do it, yeah. but he understood and was why he went along with it in the end. It's a rare moment when a studio was right. There's a director's cut. You can see, unfortunately, the original film, I think, is lost. So it is, like, from dailies. So it's, like, VHS quality, all the, all the okay. footage. So that's unfortunate. But you can see what happens. And it's just Kinderman just goes in and shoots the Gemini kill and that's it. Good. <laughs> I would. I think I would have preferred that ending. Yeah? Yeah. I would like to see that ending. Yeah. And just see how it goes down. There's two ways I feel about it. I feel like the priest was really shoved in, very obviously. Yep. He has one detached scene from everyone else to set him up. (laughs) Where Jesus falls down the wall. Because Pookie. And then that's it. And he just, I guess, feels the demon. And he he walks into the hospital. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, and then just gets murdered brutally. (laughs) Yeah. That's the only gore in this film. Mm -hmm. He's like, he's strapped to the wall and he's trying to peel himself off and his flesh comes off. Fair play to the studio though because even though they did tag on this you know ending and you don't really like to see them get involved too much um, they did really invest in the end of this film Yeah, like this whole scene cost about four million dollars to make in the early 90s Mm. so they really went all out for it. We missed a crucial scene I just remembered that. Was it the one with Samuel L. Jackson? Yes the the star of this movie Samuel L. Jackson (laughs) So, sorry, going back a little bit. Kinderman has a dream. Before or after Father Dyer dies. That's an interesting bit in it. He goes to heaven. And heaven is like this weird waiting room on a train station. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of liked it. It was like, if you go see something alien, you'd not even recognize it as alien. Just like your mind would fill out the closest (laughs) possible thing. And that's why I felt like a heaven version of that, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of weird things. The, the little kid is there. Yeah, the dead one. Yeah, he's like, Kinderman's actually very nice in this scene. He's like, oh, I'm sorry he died. Mm. And then Samuel L. Jackson is there as a blind <laughs> guy. And he was dubbed over <laughs> by some other guy. Wasn't even good enough at the time for a single line dialogue. <laughs> yeah. What did you think about this heaven scene? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that they haven't, it's not this heavenly place. It's like you say, you know, if you went to heaven, it would probably be like here, kind of disorganized and <laughs> poorly managed. Oh, and... yeah, it was like, it was like a fucking circus. It was like music, yeah. people <laughs> chatting. And it was like everyone. an angel with a clipboard, like, yeah, you go over there. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he meets Father Dyer and his head is cut off. He's like, he has seams around his head. Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's like, that's the tip off that he died and we're in actual heaven. And I think Kinderman died as well for five minutes for an actual heart attack. I have a question for you. Yeah. So in this last scene, the guy's pinned up against the wall. To create that effect, do they just light people down on the floor and film it? Maybe. I don't know. Because that's what it looked like to me. Yeah, it just looked really funny to me. This guy just like lying down on the floor like, oh no, I'm on the wall now. Which, which part? Because there's he does it with the priest and then he does it with Kinderman. The blonde priest. Okay. But it's the same thing. Yeah, I guess so. With Kinderman, you know, he's like an old guy with a beer belly. Don't want to strap him on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> they already, like, have insurance policy on him. <laughs> with, like, a billion dollars. I really like all the bombastic finale effect. I like that the floor gives out and then there's dead people crawling. And yeah, there's Father Karras coming up on a cross made of boat pedals. Somehow they managed to get the original priest 
to take control of the body. Oh, yeah. At that point, he can be He's, shot. He says, kill me now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think? You said Kinderman is the only good actor. Yep. What did you think about his performance? Like, just in general, like, there's some really wonderful moments in it, I think. <laughs> he is angry, and that's the main thing. There's some points where he goes like, it's not in the file. It's not in the fucking file or something. And he like rages and then he just starts crying. Do you notice that? This is why I think he's very good. I didn't get a sense of he's angry all the time. I got the sense that he's very affected by these killings that are happening. He mm. knows it's on him and he knows like he's the one that has to stop them. And I think that shows the emotional weight of that. He's stays in this kind of like anger state so he doesn't feel the horror and the sorrow mm-hmm. around what's yeah. happened with these murders that really caught me off guard when he's like rages and then he starts crying that was a really good moment yeah he shoots him and then what's the end what's the very end don't know i don't remember <laughs> it's pretty much done whatever join us next week for more detail orientated <laughs> <laughs> i love this movie Cool, so I have a fun fact. So this is one of your favourite films? Uh, not top 10, but okay, top 50. Top 50? What? Oh, I'm going to say it's one of your favourite films, okay. because otherwise my fun fact doesn't work. <laughs> you have that in common with Jeffrey Dahmer. I heard that, yeah. <laughs> but I imagine he doesn't enjoy the same parts as I do. So Dahmer drugged his victims before dismemberment and confessed to a routine of watching this film while waiting for the drugs to take effect. I think he watches Star Wars and, and he roots for Darth Vader. So, you know, that's, that doesn't count. Yeah, I love this film. I think it is better than the original. I think it holds up more. I think it's more interesting, anyway. The Forager is very one note, even though I like that as well. But it's very like, we have this problem, let's solve this problem. And this one has bigger themes of there's racism, there's horrible institutions breaking down, there's this faith, and there's arguments about that. Yeah, this is why I think I would like the alternate ending, or the original ending. Yeah. Because I feel like that's two very separate films. Mm-hmm. One should be an exorcist film, and the other should be kind of like a thriller where they're trying to catch a serial killer. Mm-hmm. And those two things didn't need to be crammed together. I feel like it works crammed in together. Okay. For me, anyway. What would you give it? Do you want me to answer that? <laughs> I guess so. Four. That's not that bad. Just below the watching level. I never got invested in the characters because I didn't care. I give it an eight. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's impressive. Less problems with it. There's awkward editing. I wish the beginning didn't feel so rushed. I would have lost the plot if the intro was any longer. But I didn't I didn't feel like it was long at all. Going like set up character, set up character, set up character, you know? It did its job. Yeah. The film did not need to be longer. No, I would have cut out maybe bits from even though I liked it from the Gemini's rants mm-hmm. and gave it more like because I wanted to chill environment. I would have cut the second murder out the murder of the priest. Sure. Yeah, because I just wanted to have some chill time with the priest and the, <laughs> and the as we established, that's the best thing in the movie, Kinderman and uh, Father Dyer relationship. Because uh, his murder would have been more shocking if it was we spend more time with yeah. that as well. Yeah. And that's kind of the vibe I got as well. Okay, you met this people, they don't. You met this person, yeah. they don't. They met this, and yeah, you've that's, got that's no what... investment in the characters, so you don't really know. Okay. Yeah, so it, my version would work for you as well. So yeah, what's next? What's next? 
So I think we're going to have to watch this subtitled because the dub of it isn't very good. We're going to be watching Police Story. Ooh. Starring Jackie Chan. Is there Chinese? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was an American film. Ooh. Well, I think they might have remade it. Oh, okay. um, mate, I'm going to be a fun fact machine for that, <laughs> for that one. I have so many fun facts. <laughs> okay, I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe on YouTube or follow on your podcast listener of choice. Yep, wherever you get your podcasts. And we have a Patreon where we do bonus episodes and upcoming bonus episode. Um, we do bonus episodes <laughs> <laughs> on Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash IHMovie. We do lots of little things. Quizzes, suggestions, community, detailed discussions. Community suggestions. Community suggestions, detailed discussions about topics. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Bye.